0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, March 25th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. How do and how should social media companies celebrate the value of free speech, moderate content, and also no big deal, earn a profit? Thomas Codry is a resident fellow at the Yale Information Society Project. We spoke during the Cato Institute's Who's Afraid of Big Tech event this month. I got to say, it seems like an impossible task for uh, social media platforms to sufficiently uh, respect the right of free speech. I mean, it's not really a right of free speech on these online platforms. These are private platforms. But at least uh, celebrate that value truly and deeply, while at the same time creating a positive experience for users from which these companies derive massive revenue. Can you thread that needle?
1: <laughs> well I try and I try and thread it in my work in in, in some context, but I, I totally agree that you know in some ways it, it really is this Sisyphean task that they that they have where you know if they take up, you know, take down too much content, they get slammed on one side. And then if they leave up too much, then they get slammed on the other side. Um, and it is true that just the scale of moderation that they need to do presents unique challenges that we just haven't seen in any other any other context, really. Um, so, but that being said, you know, I think it's it's still important that just because it's a really Difficult task doesn't mean that we just abdicate all sorts of scrutiny, um, and you know that's that's what I try and do, and many other people are, are in a similar position trying to hold these platforms accountable. Even if you know, as you said, they're private platforms, they have a lot of uh, leeway in the way that they want to to, to moderate uh, content. They don't have to adhere to the First Amendment in the same way that a government has to. Um, but what I what what my scholarship, as it were, sort of focuses on um, is the ways in which these platforms do actually incorporate. Legal concepts uh, in their moderation policies, um, and it's interesting, I think, to look at the ways that it's sort of similar to the legal doctrine that we have and the ways in which it diverges um, and I think it can you know reveal really interesting lessons both for how the platforms are maybe doing it better and how sometimes they're doing it uh, doing it worse
0: right, because the, you know these platforms, their job is to sort of be an honest tradesman. With all of across all of their users, and they can't possibly make all of them happy with uh, respect to taking this down and leaving this up and saying this person violated our terms of service and this person uh, did not. Is, is it important, even in your view, for these firms to try to celebrate free speech? Yeah, it's
1: absolutely essential, I think, for them to, um, you know, I mean, we can certainly quibble with with what free speech should mean online, whether it should be part and parcel exactly the same as what we think of in the offline context. And I think that there are some good reasons why maybe um, slightly different norms should govern or different rules should should govern. Um, but I think certainly, you know, a, as a sort of basic matter, yes, free speech is really important online. And that's for the simple reason that so much of our public discourse these days is going on on these on these platforms. Um, and so, you know, what we're seeing now, I think, is is these platforms starting to really fully embrace that responsibility that they have to protect free speech um, and talking about themselves you know, as, you know, recognizing that they do have this governance power, that they have this responsibility, um, but they also have this responsibility to to their users' safety and and to certain other public values. Now, whether they're doing a good job on that is is kind of another matter. But at, at the very least. I think we're the, the days where these platforms. You should just say, "Oh no, you know, we're we're just we're just a tech company. We're just neutral. We don't, you know, we don't uh, have to deal with some of these larger public questions. Those seem to be gone now, at least within you know the major players in this space. They recognise that they have certain duties and responsibilities, and and they're trying to act on them. And so I think it's now important that we we look at the ways in which they're doing that and and, and scrutinise that. But we can at least move beyond the question of whether they they should be doing something about it.
0: Uh, with, with apologies to my friends who work for Facebook, uh, it it seems like their process is fairly ad hoc. That there is no systemic way to uh, credibly and reliably meet out whether or not uh, someone should be deplatformed or take a break or put in the penalty box or however they uh, decide to do it. Uh, is that really possible for? These big tech firms without employing a massive new workforce, uh, or even if they can employ a massive new workforce to do content moderation is it really possible
1: Yeah so so i think hiring more people is is going to be a big part of this uh of, of trying to solve for some of these these problems i i don't buy it when you know one of the the refrains that we often hear is oh well just the the scale of content is so huge and they would need to hire so many people to be able to do this well and my response for the most part there is well yes then they should hire more people um and there are certain types of review here that just aren't going to lend themselves well to automated detection um, and for that, you actually need human review, and you need some more nuanced analysis. And if having more people trained in being able to do that is is, is what needs to happen, then then I think that that's what needs to happen. Um, but it but it doesn't need to be the only way that we go about this process. I mean, one thing that I've uh, I've started you know looking into into in more depth are some of these oversight regimes that are being proposed now. So Facebook has its. Uh, Supreme Court that it's thinking about creating, or that it's pledged to create um, within within this year, uh, and and you know that is another way to bring some transparency and accountability, if it's done right, that is, um, to this process that it relies, obviously, still on on human content moderation, uh, and and will require them to hire some people. But just by bringing some transparency to the process, we can actually hopefully improve it. One of the reasons I think you're absolutely right to say that uh, one of the problems that we have is that, it's, it, it at the very least, it seems very ad hoc. Whether it is ad hoc or not is actually difficult for us to say, and that's because we just don't know what's going on um, behind these closed doors and how these decisions are being made, who's making them, are they striving for consistency between them, is there some sort of reasoned way in which they're you know, saying, well, yeah, this one comes down and this one stays up, or is it really just as arbitrary as it might seem from the outside? Um, I you know I don't have a firm opinion on that um, because we just don't have the information to be able to, to say. but through some of these new um, governance regimes and these institutions that they are uh, that they are kind of creating, um, we might hope to to at least have a little more of a, of a window into seeing um, how these decisions are being made and then we can hold them accountable through that.
0: Is there, or have you seen examples of uh, a technological fix? That is to say, building something into the platform where comments that uh, do not have uh, credibility with uh, a, a you know a user's group of friends or people they regularly interact with just being seen by fewer people. That is to say, allow content moderation to be done mostly by the user base. I'm I'm thinking right. of how Reddit does. Uh, moderation of content, and you know, not everything pops up on on my screen when I when I'm going through uh, things on Reddit.
1: Right? No, I mean, some of those user based moderation policies are really interesting to think about, and I think they're going to become perhaps even more important now because uh, a lot of these platforms seem to be moving towards more of these more like private spaces for communication. And in fact, I was just watching uh, last week uh, an interview that, that Mark Zuckerberg did with Jonathan Zittrain at, at Harvard Law School. And, and Zuckerberg was asked the question, you know, what do you see as being the next five years for your platform and, and for this industry? And he was very, very clear and very quick to answer. He said, I think we're going to be reconstituted around these private communicative spaces. And, you know, what he has in mind there is things like WhatsApp and Messenger, which are which are important parts. Of, of his sort of empire of um, of social social networking, um, but it's sort of interesting to think about how that might manifest itself both at Facebook and in other areas. But going back to your question about you know some of this this um, self moderation or moderation by users, um, or maybe having different moderation within different parts of the platform, I think we might actually finally see um, that that uh, coming to fruition because. It may be that within a sort of a smaller group um or or within a private communication between two people or only a handful of people, um the different sorts of norms and policies really should um should take place. And so uh, that you know, that's an area that I'm going to be watching watching closely to see whether maybe they're going to give, Users a little more control and autonomy about the types of rules that they want to set within those communicative spaces that aren't as public as, say, the news feed or as somebody's Twitter profile um, or somebody's public YouTube page, for example.
0: I see a lot of uh, opportunity here in these uh, content moderation policies that seem uh, not exactly even-handed. Uh, members of Congress, I suspect, would love and perhaps have uh, a gr- grandstanding on uh, the issue of Facebook or Twitter or YouTube deciding that this content is appropriate and that content is not appropriate and trying to turn this into an issue where government will have a significant role. Does that have legs and uh, why, or why, why, do you, why would you not think that that's a good idea?
1: Yeah, I mean, so what we've seen recently certainly is is a lot of, um, you know, soapbox standing from from particularly people uh, on the more conservative side of the aisle saying that these social media platforms are discriminating. And from what I've picked up on from the kind of the the, the response um, to that is that it, that just it it doesn't bear out in 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 sort of actuality, and people really seem to not be buying that now. There are a lot of people who I'm sure are hearing these these kind of speeches that are being made about that and and they are accepting it or they're believing it. Um, but I think that, you know when it comes down to it, whether that sort of rhetoric is going to is is going to really take hold, I'm I'm kind of skeptical of that. And so, I you know I think it'll be a, a nice way to maybe rally um some of the some of the base um uh, on those issues. But I, I I kind of don't think that that's going to have a lasting power. I think that um, for the most part, these platforms they certainly make all sorts of mistakes. Nobody I think is disputing that. Even the platforms accept that. But the idea that they're acting with some sort of like partisan bias, I just don't think is really going to play out um, now whether this will lead uh, you know interestingly to, to to more platforms coming about or you know platforms that cater to different tastes or that you know people will perceive to be more neutral or maybe even more more bias but bias in in, in sort of in, in sort of a, a direction that people feel, um, it will be, you know, the reverse of, of, of the status quo. That's kind of interesting to think about, um, but I, I, I don't see it really um, changing the, the dynamics of the industry all that much.
0: Thomas Codry is with the Yale Information Society Project. We spoke at the Cato Institute's "Who's Afraid of Big Tech?" event this month. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.